Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. Our text tonight in Ephesians chapter 5 closes with a powerful phrase, submitting to one another in the fear of God. A child looks over at a parent and says, you come here right now. And that child says very defiantly, no. And the parent goes over and picks up the child who then comes to the parent. Is the child showing submission? You're riding down the road and you're really getting it down the highway, making time, pushing the speed limit. And all the cars ahead of you begin putting on taillights, and so instinctively you do the same thing. And then all of a sudden, as you pass, you realize there is a police officer sitting in a car next to the road. Are people being submissive to the speed limit? Two men are fighting in a hand-to-hand -hand combat match. Eventually, one gets the other in a pinned-down hold on the mat. And that one who is pinned taps out. Is that submission? Our theme for today is submission. Our theme is to think about what it means to be submissive. We noticed this morning that Deborah is a great example, the judge in the Old Testament of submission. Tonight the question is simply this. Is submission that which is forced or is it free will? I want you to notice with me in this text, this phrase, submitting to one another in the fear of God. First of all, consider this word, submitting. In the Greek, this is the same word, whether it is translated submit or subject. It's really excuse me, a simple word. It means to arrange under. Hupatasso, to arrange under. So when you put things in their order, you have subjected or submitted them to each other. Now, this phrase, this translation, subject or submit, is consistent in the Greek, could be either one. But I'm not sure that in the cultures of the world, those two words necessarily mean the same thing. A subject is one who is under the rule of another, a, a citizen or a member of a country or of a group, and therefore is subject 
to the one who is in charge. To be submissive is often how we use it to say a choice to be a certain person. I choose to act and live this particular way. So it seems to me in the way that culture uses those two words, they are not necessarily the same thing. One could very well be a subject without being submissive. Even though it appears in the Greek that those terms are interchangeable. That's often the case in culture versus Scripture. It is often the case that a word means one thing in the way God used it, but it means another thing in the way that we use it in our culture. So that's not unheard of. But I want to ask this question as we in our culture look at this word. Let's consider it, for instance, in Scripture. Jesus sent out the disciples on what we call the limited commission. He gave them the ability to work miracles. In fact, they could even raise the dead. And when they returned from this mission, they were excited and they even made the statement that all the demons are subject to them. Well, they could cast out devils or demons from those who were possessed. So here's the question. Those demons were subject to the apostles. But were they submissive? Well, I would say the answer must be yes. They were subject to them, and when told to come out, they did it. So they submitted to the apostles. Was it forced or was it free will? This idea of being subject and being submissive. The Bible says that all things will be subject to Jesus or to God one day. 1 Corinthians 15, 27 and 28, When all things are subject to him who put all things under him, then the Son himself will also be subject to the Father. Does that mean that they're not subject now? Well, it means that they've not been finally in their final place as they will be in eternity but what it means is also that, yes, all things are subject to God. But are all things submissive to God? In Romans 10, Paul was sad that the, the Jews did not submit themselves to the righteousness of God. They were subject to God. They were His people. He chose them. They were His people. But He saw that they didn't always do what they should. They were not submissive. Jesus, the same situation. 
When Jesus was found in the temple when they had gone there when he was 12 and, and he had stayed and they came back to look for him and the Bible says that he went home with them and was subject to them and he obeyed them. We can see the interchangeableness in Scripture of subject and submissive. But when it comes to you and me, when it comes to understanding it in our culture, it is not necessarily the same thing to say subject to and submissive to. Let's continue with this phrase. Submitting to one another. I think it is an interesting fact in the arrangement of this context. If you notice, in verse 26 or 22, Paul begins talking about the relationships of our lives. He talks about marriage and husbands and wives. He talks about children chapter 6 uh, to the parents. He talks in chapter 6 about the bond servants and the masters. Every relationship of people coming together in these unique ways, families, business relationships, marriage, all of these things are the relationships of our entire lives. And where did it begin? It began not only with saying, be subject or submitting to one another, but it began in the context of the atmosphere of worship. Isn't that interesting? Back up to the text starting in verse 15 where you noticed it before. Walk circumspectly. Don't be fools. Think about what you're doing. Redeem the time because the days are evil. I think it is interesting to think about this phrase, redeeming the time. Redeeming means literally to buy back. A person who takes something to the pawn shop, for instance, and gets money for it, can go back in a certain time and retrieve that item, granted having to pay for it again and more than was given to you in the first place, but it has been redeemed. How do we redeem time? Because once time has passed, you can't go and relive a single second. I think what he's saying is this. Every moment of life is an opportunity to invest in that moment. It's an opportunity to invest in that time and to get more out of the time than just letting the time pass. Time can either pass or time can be used. That's why we talked this morning about how all that we are going through in our world right now, not only with the virus, but with the social unrest and the upheaval of concepts that are passed around and people are wanting certain things to be, we're in the midst of trouble. 
we have to be people who can manage that. We need to get the most out of it. It's bad. It's terrible. We, it's, we don't want to live in it. But yet, what can we do with it? What can we redeem from it? I said this morning that I think I have learned more about a submissive attitude during this time of the virus than at any one stretch of time anywhere else in my life. This is how you redeem the time. Buying from the moments that you have. Then he says, understand the will of the Lord. Do not be drunk with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. We don't see that so much, maybe. But notice the play on words. Don't be filled with spirits, but be filled with the Spirit. There was the culture of the time that celebrated and had great parties in the Greek culture called bacchanalias, in which they aroused the intensity of their time, where they created an environment of lasciviousness that came about through all of them drinking and becoming drunk, being filled with spirits. They praised the God Bacchanalia. But Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. How do you do that? How did they fill with spirits? It was an external thing, drinking and carousing and intensifying the physical pleasures. What did God say? Well, if you're filled with the Spirit, you do it by speaking to each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks to God always, and submitting to one another. When we are in worship, we are in an assembly that typifies as well as any other what Bible submission is all about. For in worship, every person is equal with every other one. Every single person is under the authority of God in that moment. Every single one should be submitting to the environment of worship. Worship is the great equalizer of Christian people. We come from our jobs. We come from our lives we come from everything that is out there, and we come here. And in that moment when we are together, we are submitting to one another. There is a, a writing that apparently is circulating through the social media. I have been shown by a couple of people Basically, what it says is church on the couch just doesn't work. 
Oh, it's enjoyable, it's fun, you can get some things out of it, and it's okay. It's all right, because that's all we have. But if church on the couch becomes the church of the rest of our lives, we won't have the opportunity to experience this. Because in worship together, we are submitting to one another. And it's that worship environment that is the foundation for the rest of our relationships. In fact, don't you often hear in prayer, help us to take what we learn here and put it into our lives. Don't we often hear, help us to go from here with a renewed sense to be what God wants to be the rest of this week. We all know that the worship environment, the assembly, the time of dedicating to God is the launching pad for the rest of our lives. Number three, submitting to one another in the fear of God. That child who realizes once the parent has picked him up is in trouble fearing parents. All of those cars that slow down instinctively because they wonder if the police car has a gun attached to find out how fast they're going, they're afraid. And that fighter who tapped out is fearful of something getting hurt or broken. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. This word fear means respect. And respect recognizes the power of the one to whom it is directed. But now notice that respect, that power that is, can be either beneficial or destructive. Therefore, the idea of submission, forced or free will. Free will submission lets you drive down the highway not fearing whether there is a police officer monitoring the speed limit. Children who simply learn to respond positively to parents never have to be afraid. And those of us who live under governments are reminded that Paul said in Romans 13 that government is not for those who are keepers of law, they're for the law breakers. You don't have to be afraid of the government. Now, it's possible that they can override Christian principles and therefore come down upon us in ways that keep us from being Christians, but we don't have to be afraid of them as it relates to eternity. But there is a fear connected to the power that the one possesses. 
I want you to go with me now to Isaiah chapter 1. And we'll finish with this text. I want you to notice Isaiah 1 as it relates to submission. This passage is powerful. It's a long reading, but I want you to hear it from God, not from me. Let's read together. Notice number one, failure to submit is the basic problem of all sin. Failure to submit is a sickness. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not consider. Alas, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a brood of evildoers, children who are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked to anger the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away backward. Why should you be stricken again? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. The whole heart faints. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it. But wounds and bruises and putrefying sores, they have not been closed or bound up or soothed with ointment. The failure to submit is a sickness. It's a sickness that invades. Over and over, they had failed to submit to God. And He had trained them. They were His children. He had taught them through everything He did. This is who I am. Fear me. Respect the power, both for good and for evil. But they were sick because they failed to submit. And that sickness led to sadness. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Strangers devour your land and your presence, and it is desolate as overthrown by strangers. So the daughter of Zion is left as a booth in a vineyard, as a hut in a garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. Unless the Lord of hosts had left to us a very small remnant, we would have become like Sodom. We would have been made like Gomorrah. The sickness of the failure to submit leads to the sadness of being destroyed by the one to whom they failed to submit. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the law of your God, of our God, you people of Gomorrah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required this from your hand to trample my courts? 
Bring no more futile sacrifices. Incense is an abomination to me. The new moons, the Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity and the sacred meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They are a trouble to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Failure to submit is a sickness that causes sadness. And it cannot be cured by sacraments. The word sacrament is a religious word that means by doing this it makes me holy. Some religious groups talk about the Lord's Supper as a sacrament. And in their teaching it is said that in the Lord's Supper by taking it we become holy. Well, that's not what it's about at all. The truth is we are holy. Therefore, we participate with Jesus in the, in the supper itself. It doesn't make us holy. Jesus makes us holy. And anything that becomes a sacrament that says, by doing this, you can then chalk it up that says you're okay. This is what worship has become for some people. For some people, assembly on the first day of the week is a sacrament. I do it because I have to. It's right. And I can then mark my chart that says I've done it and I'm holy. When we sing, merely to fulfill a commandment, when we read Scripture merely to say we've done it, when we pray it is out of habit just simply to get it done, when we give, we do whatever we have to, not what we want to. And when we're in the supper, it's a sacrament. That's not what he's talking about in Ephesians 5 when he said submitting to one another in that context of worship. You see, the truth of the matter is forced or free will, it's my decision. Verse 16. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do good. Seek justice, rebuke the oppressors, defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat of the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. 
Submitting to one another in the fear of God. The fear respects the power of the one to whom we are submitting, both beneficial and destructive. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as wool. Submitting to one another in the fear of God respects the fact that in His beneficence, He has saved me from a life of sin. He's washed away that which separates, and He's made me clean again. But it also recognizes that He will one day finally subject and submit everything for eternity to His final will. The haunting words of Philippians 2 that began with that famous phrase in verse 5, let this mind be in you which also was in Christ Jesus, closes with these words. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here's what I think we should know. Submission will be forced one day. But that day, too late. If we have not already free will submitted to Him. Today is a day of submission. It's a day to think about our attitudes and our mindset. Those of us who try and have the submissive mentality, the desire to serve God, fearing Him because I respect what He offers and gives, we are anxious to resume being the church in the ways we have been in the past. And while for now this online presence is a must and a good gap filler, it's not enough. We can't be satisfied that this can be the way we live the rest of our lives because we want to be together. More importantly, we want to be together with God. So today, as we think about submission, am I being free will giving myself to God? Or am I merely waiting on the time when He will force His submission on me and it will be too late? I hope these lessons have been helpful as we consider continually some themes on these Sundays. And as always, we look forward to the day when we can resume things again as we would like. God bless 
our country. God bless our church. God bless every single one of us as we try to learn to be submissive. Can we help you this evening? If you want to give us a call, reach out to us in some way. We're always here to help and to pray with you and for each other. May God bless us in that. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.